welcome everyone to another episode of State of the Nation. David, how are you doing today? Absolutely fantastic. I think we have a pretty interesting State of the Nation ahead of us. Zero X Mackie from SushiSwap. This will be the first uh, non uh, pseudo anonymous camera off State of the Nation that we've ever had, at least with a guest. Our cameras are obviously on, but our guest uh, Zero X Mackie, he's on standby with his camera off because he's pseudo anonymous. And that's kind of how the SushiSwap protocol rolls. So we're going to get a little bit more into that later. This is going to be a super fascinating episode. I think you're going to learn a lot. If this is your first day of the nation, these come out every Tuesday. We try to live stream them on YouTube. Then we put the video up. Then we get the podcast out to our podcast listeners. So this is an opportunity for us to relate some of the interesting things that are going on in the bankless nation to big picture stuff. Uh, and we're going to be getting to that zero X Maki conversation in just a minute. But David, we've got some new stuff going on in the Bankless Nation as well. We had a fantastic episode with Justin Drake that just came out this past Monday. I think it was our most bullish Ethereum episode yet. I was maybe bold to say, but because because the topic was cryptography. What, mm-hmm. what, what were some of your takeaways from this episode? Yeah, Justin Drake, this was a, a unique piece of a, a unique podcast to come out of the Bankless podcast that I think might be my favorite episode that we've ever done so far. It's also our longest. It's a marathon at two hours and 20 minutes. Uh, and I think what makes this uh, episode so unique was that Justin Drake, who is an Ethereum researcher, by the way, he works for the EF. He's a he's a cryptographer, uh, came to us with this proposal for like wh- I, what he thought would be a really, really cool episode. And he was totally right. Uh, he, the idea came to him when he heard do this like bull case for Ethereum, bull case for ETH series that we did, you know, with Eric Connor, Anthony Zazano, DC Investor, and then we had the guys at ETH Capital on. Uh, and then Justin Drake wanted to in- introduce like what we what he calls moon math, bull case for cryptography. Uh, and I think my biggest takeaway, just as a little teaser for what's in that episode, everyone should totally listen to it, is what I'm now calling Drake's Razor, uh, where Drake has uh, Justin Drake has uh, two rules of thumb that he lives by that I think this whole entire industry is pinned on. Whereas if you can use cryptography, use cryptography, but if you can't use cryptography, use crypto economics. And this is, of course, in relation to building something, building an app on top of Ethereum uh, or actually creating a consensus protocol like Ethereum itself, Ethereum the protocol or anything else in this cryptocurrency industry. Use cryptography if you can, but if you can't, you can use crypto economics. And I think that's going to be a very valuable tool, very relevant to the protocol sync thesis and something that's really a, a really strong mental model that I got out of that episode. Yeah, and I was just str- so struck by how far we've yet to come on the cryptography front. Like, this is basically um, this moon math that you're talking about is basically Moore's law for crypto, and we're just at the very start of this trajectory of uh, crypto innovation, crypto uh, cryptography innovation, really, and that's going to make all of our blockchain systems that much better. Uh, we also have Yanov from The Graph, who's coming on an AMA community, Ask Me Anything, this Thursday, 12 o'clock Eastern. So check that out. And Jeremy Allaire, our conversation with the CEO of Circle. He is one of the uh, main leaders of USDC, the stablecoin. He came on the podcast. That conversation is coming out Monday. Any takeaways from Jeremy Allaire, David? Jeremy Allaire is uh, has been at the forefront of what has been an extremely active quarter of crypto regulation, right? Uh, you know, originally people always thought that like Bitcoin is going to be the target of crypto regulation, but Bitcoin seems to be kind of getting a pass. And what actually seems to be the target of crypto regulation has been stablecoins, crypto dollars, and primarily USDC. We saw this with the Stable Act, but then we also saw this with uh, FinCEN's guidance on self-hosted wallets that is very relevant to stablecoins. And so Jeremy Allaire, as the, the founder behind the, the USDC crypto dollar, has uh, had to take the brunt of this like regulatory, this highly active regulatory environment as it relates to the, our industry. Um, so we, we mainly get that perspective out of Jeremy. But then, of course, we also talk about USDC inside of DeFi, which was a very fun conversation. So stay tuned for that one coming out next Monday. Jeremy is bullish DeFi. He's bullish Ethereum. Guys, you can hear all about our after the podcast conversation as well. David, we've started doing these these debrief episodes 
It's available for Bankless Premium subscribers. And that's really an opportunity for you and I, we, we used to have these discussions all the time after a podcast, actually uh, talk about the podcast that was mm-hmm. and do a full debrief of, of our thoughts. Um, that I think is one of the times I level up the most is those after podcast conversations where we sort of dump our, our thoughts and our primary takeaways and, and talk about them. And that's going to be now made available for Bankless Premium members. Yeah, I, I do get a lot of learning out of those conversations. And I'm, I'm pretty happy that we are making these conversations available to Bankless, Bankless Premium uh, subscribers. Uh, they're, they're one of the, my favorite things about Bankless is that there's two of us. And so we actually get to like throw <laughs> ideas back between each other because like obviously one person can only have one person's ideas. Uh, and so these are the times where we, we sit and reflect upon the podcast that we just had. Literally, as soon as we're done recording a podcast, Ryan and I hop into a Zoom and be like, so to make sure it's not stale, but then we hop into a Zoom and hit record. Uh, and so that's what those debriefs are 20, 30 minutes long for the bankless premium subscribers. So if you are interested in those, uh, there is a link in the show notes, uh, available to you. So you can go watch those. All right, David, let's start with the question. I ask you for every state of the nation, what is the state of the nation today? The state of the nation is growing. We are growing the pie. Like I'm sure you are getting text messages, Ryan. I'm getting text messages uh, about people who are interested in Bitcoin, interested in Ethereum, interested in DeFi, trying to figure out what this is all about. And of course, people are just throwing money at this industry right now, right? Like we are not in a, in, in a scarce environment right now. There is less competition going on. And I think that's kind of why Bitcoiners and Ethereum, these ecosystems have generally separated is because like in bear markets, people fight, right? And, but in bull markets, there's abundance. There's not much need for fighting. Like all protocols are receiving basically all the funding that they need to continue. Uh, and I see this dynamic uh, and, and what this is really relevant to is the uni, Uniswap versus SushiSwap conversation. Uh, I think a lot of, there's a decent number of people that perhaps have a bad taste in, in their mouth about SushiSwap from the way that it was uh, spawned, from the way that it was birthed into the world. Uh, there's this conversation of a vampire attack. We get, uh, I think we're going to get into the subject uh, when we talk to Mackie. Um, but there's this competitive air about like, you know, if SushiSwap wins, Uniswap Swap loses, no, or or vice versa. Uniswap wins or Sushi Swap uses. Like, no, I don't think that's what's going on. I think this pie that we have, this DeFi pie, is growing at a, such an incredibly large rate that, like, the, the fact that there is both Uniswap and Sushi Swap, which are maximizing in their own core competencies, illustrates like how much abundance there is in this world right now, especially in the world of DeFi. And so, the state of the nation, Ryan, is growing. We are growing. Absolutely. Well said. I think very often the crypto tribes sort of get into this trap of thinking that this is a fixed pie, fixed sum game. It's not. Even within within different uh, within different chains, Bitcoin plus Ethereum. Bitcoin is better because Ethereum exists. Ethereum is better because Bitcoin exists. This is all on ramps from the traditional banking system to this new banking system, and it is all additive. And I think that's what the the sushi swap versus Uniswap uh, example really, really showcases. It is because of SushiSwap's existence, Uniswap is that much better and has that much more volume. David, we're going to get to that in just a minute, but first we should take a minute to talk about the sponsors that made this episode possible. If you are looking for a product that connects your fiat bank account with DeFi tokens and products, you need to download the Dharma mobile app. Dharma is a non-custodial smart contract wallet and comes with a bridge that connects you right into your bank account. Dharma is the fastest and most efficient wallet between your fiat in your bank account and any token on Uniswap or even any vault in Yearn. With Dharma, you can get over $25,000 per week into the DeFi universe, and you can do it non-custodially. If you or anyone you know is hot on DeFi and you're trying to get your money into a DeFi investment, Dharma is the place to go. Signing up and going through KYC is an absolute breeze. It took me just under three minutes, and after signing into my bank account via Plaid, I am now just one transaction away from any token that Uniswap has to offer. Go to www.dharma.io, that's D-H-A-R-M-A dot I-O, download the Dharma app and get yourself unbanked today. If you want to live a bankless life, you've got to get yourself a Monolith DeFi Visa card. Monolith is a one-two punch. It's both an Ethereum smart contract wallet and a Visa card that lets you spend the money you hold in your Ethereum account anywhere Visa is accepted. 
This is super cool. You can swipe your card at the coffee shop, at the gas station. When you do, you're paying with crypto, all without a bank. This has been the crypto vision since day one, and it's here. Monolith also offers on-ramps for getting your fiat into the world of DeFi. So it's trivial to top up your Monolith card whenever you need to. You could top it up with ETH, DAI, or DeFi tokens. And because Monolith is native DeFi infrastructure, the money that you hold not only never touches a bank, but it retains its DeFi superpowers. So you can swap assets on Uniswap, you can earn yield in DeFi protocols. You've never had a Visa card like this before. Go to monolith.xyz now and sign up to get your Monolith card. That's monolith.xyz. All right, guys, Zero X Maki of the SushiSwap protocol. Welcome to the Bankless State of the Nation. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, Ryan. Hey, David. David, thank you for having me. Um, just very uh, quick intro. I'm a core contributor to SushiSwap. I don't actually uh, code. We have like a CTO and a bunch of uh, core developer helping on this side of things. So really, I'm just instrumental in growing the protocol, making sure that the community is uh, tended to and so on. I'm the one entering pretty much... Uh, everything. And you know, I think where we should start is could could you give us some history? So for, for folks that uh, weren't here, don't remember, uh, for me, DeFi summer was, was sort of a blur in many ways. Can you give us a history of the project? Like how did things start? Take us, the, take us through the story so far. Yeah, sure. No problem. So we started the end of August with uh, only a Medium article, uh, a Discord, and then we just... Uh, we grow. We grew to 1.08 billion dollar, I think, in TVL in almost a week or so, uh, which all came from Uniswap LP tokens at first. Before we had our first uh, migration to our own uh, set of smart contracts that were basically a fork of the Uniswap ones, and all of this was uh, made by. Um, Chef Nomi, which was one of the three co-founder back then, uh, including me and Sushi uh, Sushi Swap Chef. So this is kind of uh, how we got started. Uh, the goal were very um, clear from the beginning. It was uh, going to be a community-led fork of Uniswap, and then it kind of grew into this uh, massive, I guess, protocol and umbrella under like an open org model that was uh, pioneered by Yarn, Wi-Fi, and so on. So. This is kind of where we started. And um, since then, we kind of keep iterating. We have been funding some teams to work on multiple projects that are in the same um, ecosystem as Sushi. So we have uh, Bento Box, we have Musoku, we have Miso, and so on. All of these are added by uh, different teams um, of developers. Some of them are more uh, supported by the core, core team than others, and so on. So Zero X Mackie, let's tell, let's hear a little bit about your story. How did you come to be a contributor to the SushiSwap protocol? It's pretty simple. I've been like a fervent uh, Ethereum uh, community member since I would say uh, early 2017 or so. Uh, before the big ICO mania, I got interested back to crypto after, um, I guess, being dormant for three, four years. And then I discovered Ethereum and all of the possibilities of smart contract. And from there, I kind of, I've always wanted to join the, the ecosystem, the community, but never really had any, um, how can I say, experience in the field. So it was very hard for me to get the confidence to basically take ownership and go on and just send some resume and et cetera. So I just never participated until I kind of saw SushiSwap and, I've always wanted to contribute to Uniswap and kind of the DEX field. So I took ownership and I just rolled with it, you know? So Maki, what, what, yeah, yeah. What would you say? Um, I think my you know, part of my, so, some folks over DeFi summer have kind of a bad taste left, left in their mouth still with sushi swap. Um, you know, I think part of it was initially the, the birth, the genesis of, of sushi swap. Um, some called it kind of a vampire attack of this, this other DeFi darling, which is, which is Uniswap. Um, I would love for you to talk about that. And then also kind of the second event that happened is uh, Chef Nomi 
and um, <laughs> like maybe describe that because that I have still a lingering taste and bad taste in my mouth from from I guess probably the 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 Chef Nomi event. Can, can you talk about what happened there and uh, its impact in in kind of the history and trajectory of Sushi Swap? Yeah, no problem. I mean, we can keep it very simply. Um, the fact that we call it an attack when, you know, back then Uniswap had, had top maybe $250 million in TVL is pretty, I think, ridiculous. Uh, a lot of people got introduced to being an LP because of this whole kind of uh, liquidity mining phase uh, and craze, etc. So calling it an attack is kind of really, I think, meaningless in a way. I think it was just like we unlocked for the first time uh, an amount of liquidity and you know assets that were dormant in the ecosystem. And this is what is bringing you know so much, I would say attention to the, to the space and the ecosystem. We basically were able to grow um, more in one month than the entire year of 2020 with all these incentives and kind of uh, teaching people, newcomers how to LP for the first time. Uh, before that, you know, you were only like putting some assets and they were quote unquote giving you tokens. Now we were actually LPing and, you know, this had this tremendous impact of changing the, the game, right? We went from 500 million to $1 billion um, locked in DeFi to today we're at $26 billion. And I think we're on track to 100 million by the end of the year. Uh, yeah. And how, you, how do you do this? You bring new people to the ecosystem, you make sure that they are able to easily earn yield on their assets and productize them. So Mackie, uh, David stated State of the Nation that this week was um, growing the pie and you feel you really feel like SushiSwap did that not only for DeFi, but also for Uniswap. It brought more val volume and value to the DeFi ecosystem and also to Uniswap. Yeah, what happened is we were able to not only, I guess, make them launch a token to actually be open and governed <laughs> by the community. But yeah. we were also able to make sure that these people were incentivized to provide liquidity. So what we did is the biggest gift a LP could have wished for in a very long time. And we, and this is kind of what I am kind of spare-eating here. It's not about just like, oh, it's, it's a fork or it's not a fork. It's all about making sure that LPs are taken care of. It's not just a 0.3% fee going to them anymore. It's, you know, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of innovation coming on this side of things where capital is going to be not just more efficient, but capital is going to be more smart. Capital strategy to deploy capital is going to be uh, less with less risk, less impermanent loss or divergence loss, whatever you want to call it. And um, yeah, this is kind of it. For Nomi, I think uh, very quickly, a brief on the subject because it's been quite some time and, you know, he's not involved anymore in the project. Uh, I think uh, there was some inflammatory, I guess, uh, toxic comments being made and thrown around on Twitter. Uh, everyone was all a bit, uh, uh, we said a fleur de peau in French. So I would say uh, everyone, everyone, everything was tense back then. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, we're past this. I don't think uh, his actions were uh, to praise at all, but we, everyone kind of, he was under pressure, he cracked a little bit, and here we are now. It's past us, and we can make sure that this is community-owned. And yes, yeah, so he's left the, the project, he's gone, but the community is marching on, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly, and I do think that the fact that this project succeed, even though that uh, we had, like, I guess, this first incident, it just makes SushiSwap stronger every, every time along the steps, right? Yeah. We are, you know, improving. We have like difficulties all the time, but we are making sure to fix the the problem that we were we have on our way and so on. So I want to go back uh, to your your comment, Mackie, about Uniswap. Was, um, you know, Uniswap, of course, famously airdropped a token to its users in September. How much of the decision, their decision to airdrop, do you think was because of sushi swap. I don't know about the decision to airdrop. I think it was like a very good marketing stunt. I think it kind of uh, made sure to align incentives uh, for people that used the project before and to guarantee that, you know, some of the, I guess, most fervent Uniswap uh, 
LP and you know like believer would have like a say in the protocol. Uh, you don't give like a thousand token to socks holder for fun, right? You want to have uh, the most uh, diehard fan of your protocol being able to have like a meaningful voice. And I think that this was great. Um, I don't really, I don't really agree with uh, how the governance was been kind of uh, blocked or you know like the requirements were very uh, strict at first. They are in a different legal landscape than us. Uh, they are based in the U.S., so I do understand uh, all the ramification there. So, so bottom line is, though, you think that the birth of Sushi Swap brought some competitive pressures to to Uniswap, even exactly, and yep. and provided more benefits for both Uniswap users and their LPs. I, I do think so. Yeah. So very cool. There's a very interesting story here because Uniswap got off to this very rocky start and I am am personally convinced that the vampire attack was less of an attack and more of a value add, yet that was the branding. And then on top of the branding of the attack on Uniswap, there was um, the the chef Nomi that took the dev fund and ran. That's behind us. Uh, SushiSwap has turned into this uh, pillar of a community and has kind of led the charge into seeing what can really be done when you have a bottom-up community take control over a project and turn it into something awesome. And so now the the branding behind SushiSwap has nothing to do with uh, you know Chef Nomi or uh, the vampire attack, and it's now something that's I would say is largely differentiated. What would you could you describe the process? that SushiSwap went through to go uh, to get to this point. Like uh, people thought, including me, uh, that SushiSwap was, was dead in the three month like DeFi bear market between DeFi summer and where we are now. Yet that was the opposite of the case. Can, maybe you can tell us the story of like how SushiSwap think, came to be into yeah. what it is now. I think it's very easy, David. Um, there's always someone to answer at Sushi. Like whether you want to be building uh, we will help you. We will give you a grant if, you know, like the work has been done and so on. We will never like, we will always support efforts of, you know, people that are willing to do partnership. We have like, you have some issues with, you know, like uh, Uniswap in itself, then you can fix it at Sushi and it's going to be implemented and pushed. Granted that it passed like all the security, uh, you know, the workflow. But what is it very important is pretty much we were able to get like a diehard community of builder and people that resonated with this ethos of, you know, actually um, community led where, you know, actions and votes are accessible to anyone. Like this is kind of what made us, you know, very different. We have like a very clear uh, token accrual value to uh, actual value to the token. Uh, I mean, the rules are very simple and it's just, how we were able to grow, I think, is by collaborating with other protocols, making sure that our dev designer or else are tended to, and so on. Like this is just the key. It's collaboration. It's being open. Um, we're not like a team. We're not based in you know in a single country or city. There's a lot of hurdles to this, you know, and the way we work as an open org can be very messy. But once you get like inside this Discord, once you get inside the, the talking, the forums, you get you kind of realize that there is actually like a soul into this project. There's a community that loves what we're doing. And I think this is why we were able to come back from this bear market. So what would you say is SushiSwap's core competencies? What, what are the things that it's good at that really differentiates itself from Uniswap? we're very good uh, at many things i would say like uh, first of all we are always improving i guess everything related to the ui we are you know we even if we started with like three different ones uh, it was super messy at first we're starting to you know uh, unify all of this together into something that is more easy we were able to get like integration with partners that were not uh, able to get on uniswap for months because they had like no uh, support so we are like we're providing a wide love service to like all the project with our core dev. Uh, this is just like what we are good at right now. We're also very uh, open-minded on other alternatives on the blockchain. So we're thinking about um, you know, cross-chain swaps on Ethereum powered by Torchain. We're thinking about uh, going on Polkadot with Moonbeam 
and so on. Like we even have like a grant right now for a move to the ceramic system, not moving in inequality, but literally opening uh, new branches where you know assets can be swapped on other chains. And I think this is the fact. This is very important because if you're not, I guess, open to to other communities and bridge them together, then what is the point of being community led and so so close-minded? I think that fits into the conversation of where we wanted to, to take this because I think one of the differentiators uh, between SushiSwap and Uniswap is that uh, SushiSwap has uh, developers that talk to other projects. Um, famously, Wyern and, and Yearn, I think is the, actually the correct pronunciation. Um, Maki, maybe you could talk about uh, the relationship between SushiSwap and, and Yearn. Yeah, the, the Yearn ecosystem is very fascinating. It's uh, really just... Uh a group of individuals with the same values, I think. We're talking about decentralization, we're talking about open org, we're talking about um, fervent uh, developers, like people that are intense in everything that they do. And we are able to kind of leverage each other uh, competencies and um, basically help each other. It, it's just like an alliance in a way where um, we all get together to work and we make sure to execute on the same pace. It can be, right now, I can tell you for a fact that we are swamped with things to do. So it can be very difficult, but every month, I think, or so, every two weeks, we have like these inter-team uh, calls where we can make sure that, you know, we're on pace on partnership collaboration and so on. So, uh, and, you know, it has, it has been wonderful to see like, uh, you know, Cream, Pickle, Acro, Yarn, all of these wonderful projects, in my opinion, kind of slowly uniting into something so uh, we've kind of seen this pattern maki i i think before in crypto right so you have sort of your your um almost your your first mover and then you have your fast mover right so in the crypto bank world you have coinbase first mover and then you have binance which is fast mover uh and then in the decentralized lending world you have compound which is kind of first mover and they're a bit more slow and cautious and then you have ave which is like all the assets we're going to try f uh flash loans we're going to we're going to build um all of these new things we're going to embrace assets that compound doesn't first uh we're going to you know push the bleeding edge a bit more is that the the right dichotomy would you say with the difference between a uniswap and a, a sushi swap now that um, Uniswap is kind of first mover, uh, whereas sushi swap is is trying to be a, a fast mover that's um, a bit more embracing of of things that might be you know cutting edge. It's a good it's a good uh, economy or analogy. Uh, I don't think it's fair to say that you know we're kind of uh, the fast mover of Uniswap because I do believe that they are right now are that work you know working on some groundbreaking innovation and so on. We are really just like trying to do our own path from now on. And, you know, we're going to capitalize on composability and, you know, flexibility of things. I don't know if you've, um, maybe we're going to talk about this later on the, for the, what is coming up for Sushi, but we're trying to bridge, you know, like a different world at the moment. We want to make sure that the DeFi can access um, retail and, you know, like this, the centralized exchange of this world to make sure that DeFi can grow even bigger. Uh, we do have also like other plans for scalability and so on, but uh, maybe we can talk more about this later. The fast mover is, uh, it would say that, you know, Uniswap is, is not moving and I think that's not fair. How would you differentiate um, the Sushi asset between the Uni asset? Like how, how would you characterize how Uniswap, the protocol, uh, leverages and uses its Uni, the asset? And then how would you compare that to how Sushi leverages uh, Sushi, the asset? I think Uni is just a type of sushi. Uh, personally, I think they will try to, at some point, get some value accrual to the token. Otherwise, I don't really see the value in just a pure governance token that you know votes. And the way it has been distributed and so on, uh, it's very hard to get to this tipping tipping point uh, for voting and proposing and so on. Uh, I did. I do know they have like um, they're using compound contract, right? So they can in theory ask for more vote but it's still very uh very complicated i think the x sushi or like the sushi in, in in itself is not just attracting fees from the amm too you know like this is kind of part of the strategy it's um it's going to be coming from multiple pro product under the, the same umbrella i think that's one of the key differentiation unless uniswap start to expand 
as like you know over the AMM realm, uh, it's always going to be very two different product. The the goal is the same; it's governance, but we're also like paying our um, our token holders. We are giving. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, Maki. I I don't want to box you in again with another like kind of pattern or dichotomy, but like I'm about to try another one on you. So um, I, I it seems like there's also another dichotomy with DeFi protocols in that uh, you get for a similar market, you get one protocol that is kind of U.S. based, um, has Silicon Valley type investment or traditional venture investment, and then you get another protocol. Um, that is outside of the U.S., outside of like traditional U.S. legal apparatus, not necessarily venture fu funded, more bottom up um, community. So, uh, again, an Aave versus Compound kind of like comes to mind. Right. Um, or like a, a maker versus synthetics. Um, do you think the fact that your founders are um, pseudonymous outside of the U.S., does that give you more flexibility in terms of the things you can build? We are just talking about value accrual to Sushi the token. Does that even give you more flexibility to design so. a like higher value accrual token? What are the benefits there in your approach? Yeah, I do think that is beneficial and, you know, instrumental in the success of Sushi. Um, this is kind of tricky. I don't know why the U.S. government is so... Um, constraining all this innovation blockchain. What we're seeing is anyway, like most of these teams are now outside of the US for like uh, going to uh, blockchain up like Singapore, Taiwan, and uh, in Europe, like Portugal and so on. It's just gonna keep going this way because we want a future that is bankless. We want a future that is decentralized. And what happened is you are risking prison to build like, I guess the future of finance uh, in the US. So might as well, just leave. <laughs> but uh, this is part of uh, why we were anonymous. This is kind of the reason. Uh, it's not the... Uh... Mackie, I want to ask questions about V2. Um, and of course, if there's going to be something similar to Uniswap's plans to V2 or if Sushi has their own plans to V2, we're going to get into that topic of conversation. But first, we're going to take a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Aave is a borrowing and lending protocol on Ethereum and just recently released Aave version 2, which has a ton of cool new features that makes using Aave even more powerful. With Aave, you can leverage the full power of DeFi, Money Legos, Yield, and Composability all in one application. On Aave, there are a ton of assets that you can deposit in order to gain yield, and all of those same assets can also be borrowed from the protocol if you have deposited collateral. Here you can see me getting a 200 USDC loan against my portfolio of a number of different DeFi tokens and ETH. I'll choose a variable interest rate because it's a lower rate than the stable interest rate option, but I could choose the stable interest rate option if I wanted to lock that interest rate in permanently. One of Aave's V2 features is the ability to swap collateral without having to withdraw your assets, trade them on Uniswap, and then deposit them back into Aave. Aave does all of this for you all in one seamless transaction, so you don't have to repay loans in order to change the collateral you have backing them. Check out the power of Aave at Aave.com. That's A-A-V-E.com. Gemini is the world's most trusted cryptocurrency exchange. I've been a customer of Gemini since I first got back into crypto back in 2017, and it has been my main exchange of choice to make my crypto buys and sells. Gemini is available in all 50 states and over 50 countries worldwide. And on Gemini, there are markets for over 30 various crypto assets, including many of the hot DeFi tokens like Wi-Fi, Aave, Uni, and also they are one of the few exchanges that has liquid DAI markets. Having both the option of logging into the Gemini.com website or instead opening the Gemini mobile app has allowed me to be able to access any and all exchange and on or off ramp services that I've needed to on a moment's notice. With instant deposits and fast withdrawals, I'm able to make my money do the things I want it to when I want it to. You can buy crypto safely and securely on Gemini with the peace of mind of knowing that your investments are insured and protected with industry leading cybersecurity. You can open up a free account in under three minutes at gemini.com slash go bankless. And if you trade more than $100 within the first 30 days after signup, you'll be gifted a free $15 bonus. Check them out, gemini.com slash go bankless. 
Uniswap is working very hard to pioneer uh, their own L2, and hopefully it's fantastic. Um, and we want to ask about Sushi's plans for L2s. Um, is, is Sushi just looking towards Uniswap, kind of like how the rest of us are, about what their plans are for getting onto an L2? Or are you guys kind of carving your own path? And if you are, what is that path to uh, exchanging on an L2 so users can save on gas fees? Sure. So very quickly, um, I do think that layer two, like for 2021 is are going to be massive. I think we're going to see for the first time a uh, real adoption of this tech. And because we're getting to a, a moment where, you know, they will be, they're going to be mature enough to power like AMM and so on. But besides that, I don't think uh, we're going to be rushing to release on this uh, on this tech. We're like right now exploring all of our options with you know zk rollups, Arbitrum, uh, Starkware, um, zk zk sync, and so on. The thing is, we want to make sure that if we do move onto a layer two, we don't just move by ourselves. We don't want to just be able to do swaps if we move somewhere. We want to bring with us you know like a money market. Uh, is it going to be cream, Ave? Is it going to be and like other options? Like this is all in the talks. I think that if we were to move with five participants from the Yearn ecosystem at the same time, this would be way more interesting than just uh, by ourselves, uh, because then the users are not constrained to just like doing swaps. Um, but then we also we don't want to forget about like composability. I think this is one of the most crucial aspects of DeFi is that we want to make sure that people are not um, locked, I would say, or um, they cannot you know, do what is fun with uh, all these protocols and collaborating. So once this is cleared up, then you know, we're, we're gonna be announcing what we do for, um, for the layer two part, the scalability. And I do think this is like something that is six months away, in my opinion. So, Maki, do you have any guesses on how this will play out? Because there is an element to, to what you're talking about with the move to layer two, or even you were talking about kind of a multi-chain world. Um, there is some loss of composability. There is some like liquidity silos that start to form. So how, how is this all going to play out in your mind? Do you have any scenarios you can paint for us? I mean, from what I saw, like this, this siloing of, you know, assets and so on, like uh, between optimis optimism, optimistic, sorry, and uh, other uh, layer two, are gonna be kind of not too impacted by that. I've seen like Connect Network, Connect Network has been working on bridging uh, layer twos together. I do think that we're gonna see more and more of this sort of initiative uh, because if like, you know, the assets are trapped there or frozen there, uh, there's gonna be massive gains for people that are able to bridge them. So I don't think it's uh, gonna happen or maybe just at the beginning and then we're gonna find solutions. Um, but aside from that, you know, I, I think like I'm not a specialist of layer two personally, so I won't like pronounce myself too, uh, too heavily on this topic, but I uh, just uh, very happy to see the innovation that it's going to bring to the table on the side of, you know, the user experience are going to be uh, totally different. I think we're not going to have to care about gas anymore. And this was, I think the missing piece for, um, for Ethereum to another competitor, I, everyone was kind of screaming scalability and you know all, how cheap their transaction were on other chains. This is kind of gonna, this is gonna kill this this notion in my opinion. And this and is when other blockchains, if they really have a, a like a community or like a soul, that's where they're gonna create their own interesting feature because otherwise everyone's gonna move to Ethereum. Yeah. So what, what do you think about that? So you mentioned earlier that um, a part of what Sushi is doing is actually is like um, branching out or playing with other chains too. Like you mentioned the Polkadot uh, ecosystem, for, for example. How do you think that plays out with Ethereum? Are there like, are the ETH killers going to kill ETH? Will they carve out a, a different niche in the, the ecosystem? Will they all compete? Will they all be one, you know, big happy family? What's your take on this? I think they're just going to be doing their own things, like similar to what SushiSwap is doing with uh, this whole like uh, uni VSU. I think they're just going to be uh, building their own kind of solutions on like DeFi or blocks and so on and so on. If they don't, then it, they're just going to, it's just going to die, simply put. And mm -hmm. you cannot just take whatever is happening on Ethereum and just mir mirror it somewhere else. 
and then assume that people are just going to move. That's not how it works. They need to, to invent their own, um, like, groundbreaking things, I think. And on Polkadot, I'm kind of I'm fairly certain that some innovation is going to be is gonna, in, doc, in crypto and blockchain, etc. It's always the people. We don't have, like, a million dev yet. And if you don't have, like, a strong community of developers, of uh, community advocates and so on, then uh, it, it's worthless. Okay, so you, you mentioned you mentioned Polkadot. Are there any other ecosystems that you are uh, impressed with as as kind of layer one ecosystems? I haven't looked at all of them personally. Uh, so I would say all I'm missing right now is uh, Binance Smart Chain, uh, Atom. I haven't looked it up. Uh, there is, the, I mean, all the ghost chain. I, I don't care. So. Not interested in, in the rest. I would say this, these two are kind of the the main ones. Like, and what is very important with us, it's something with a bridge. If we cannot have a bridge back to, to Ethereum, then we don't care, basically. Got it. All right. So Ethereum possibly as sort of a, a, a settlement layer, uh, certainly a central hub to all of this innovation, but other pl- chains possibly playing a role as well. Um, can you talk a bit more about the the sushi swap roadmap? Uh, you've got a, a V2 coming up. Um, you mentioned something called Bento Box uh, earlier. Tell us what's in store for for the next releases of Sushi Swap. So what is very interesting is right now we're like finishing up the formal verification for Bento Box. This is going to be huge. I think this is going to be our kind of margin solution on top of Sushi. So we're we are going to be in, enabling our long and short leverage basically on any single pair that is on Sushi. And this is going to be, you know, we're going to be partnering with a lot of uh, participants to make sure that this is a very um, popular product, I would say, in a way where the Iron Bank can be instrumental there. We can have like strategies with Yarn uh, and so on. This is going to be, in my opinion, like the next step in, in Sushi Swap. And then the AMMV2 is going to be very interesting because this is when we're going to be able to unlock more flexibility. And how we are talking about how the pair composition, the fee structure for pools. Uh, we want to, like, one of the key, the key thing of the Mirren update, I think, is going to be the franchise pool aspect, where we are trying to make sure that, uh, like, uh, I would say, C5 can happen. Hmm. <laughs> but in a way where they are connected with us. Uh, so they will be able in theory to, um, for Binance user to, let's say, provide liquidity on SushiSwap, like in, with a franchise pool, if they were, if the, you know, if Binance is interested and so on, right? This is the goal, like exchange are gonna be able to uh, set their own fee and then provide, I guess, the abstraction for the user to not even, uh, you know, play with MetaMask and so on. Uh, I personally, I prefer the fact that people have ownership of their assets and everything and are self-sovereign. Yeah. But this is not for everyone. Like uh, I cannot get my dad and mom to um, buy sushi on sushi swap at the moment. They won't, they won't be able to understand all of this dimension and they just want like a very um, similar experience to like, I guess their bank account. Yeah. They want the, they, they want the training wheels on. Right. And like, look, all of us started on an exchange our first step was to get fiat into crypto. So we all started on an exchange. What, what you're talking about sounds similar to something David and I talk about often, which is uh, the protocol sync thesis, which is the yep. idea as well, that many of these exchanges will start using DeFi protocols as uh, build on top of them, essentially use DeFi protocols as as their base layer. But how hard or easy is it for a centralized exchange like a Binance, for example, to um, tap into the liquidity in SushiSwap right now? Is it um, can they can they do it without your permission? Yeah, they could do it without your permission. But I do think that they want you know some assistance. They want a white glove experience. They want like developers that can support them in their efforts. They want to make sure everything is secure. Uh-huh. Uh, there's always the com- compliance aspect also to keep in mind all the time and so on that we are trying to kind to, to mitigate in a way, right? Want to make sure there is no uh, issues with this on this front. Uh, I mean, DeFi, as you may know, is very prone to attacks and so on, exploits. So there's always risk. There's also like this uh, this part where, you know, IL uh, impermanent loss is real, and we don't want we, we wouldn't want you know user to lose their 
the assets or you know like uh, incur losses if you are um, narrating a very interesting API and so on. That's why we saw you know Xsushi happening on on centralized exchange more and more because it is pretty much quote unquote um, without any risk of downside. Right. Downside. Right. So um, this is kind of uh, the approach I would say, and uh, yeah, it's uh, that's one part of the of the the whole roadmap i mean i could go on like uh, i've written like a very extensive um medium article about it but uh yeah well we will we will link that uh medium article in the show notes maki one other thing you mentioned when you were going over the high level there is something called the iron bank sounds super cool what is the iron bank so the iron bank is going to be um part of the new update from cream like the upgrade from cream uh, it's going to be a way for protocol to leverage uh, liquidity without any collateral. So that means if you are in need of um, of, uh, of massive amount of, uh, of tokens or else, you can just borrow it without uh, any any guarantee, like uh, guarantees on, on the other side, right? You don't need to, to show that you will use the fund in a good way. So this is like the idea of credit. It's, it's without collateral, yeah, without a collateralized yeah, exactly. loan. This is a credit-based type of loan how, how is how are they able to do that i mean i would love for you to have leo perhaps like on the show and explaining all of this from uh, from top to bottom it is like very interesting and since you know uh, andrew shared the post about it and the cream team it was kind of mind-blowing because this is going to be enabling a totally different you know um, i would say not primitive but different way of thinking about um liquidity and so on. You are yeah. not just bounded by what I guess the people are providing to your smart contract. So this enables things like uh, like 100x leverage, for example, or things like that. Wow. Uh, you, we're definitely going to have to dig into that a bit more on, on Bankless. Can we talk about a bit more about um, yeah, your, your future roadmap compared to, to Uniswap? So Uniswap is launching their V3 sometime soon. It's, uh, there's a lot of hype. Don't know exactly what's going to be in that, that V3. Um, it seems like SushiSwap is kind of, it started as a fork of Uniswap, but now it's going its own direction. Are, are you going to fork Uniswap V3 at all or take any of their ideas? Or are, are, is, is SushiSwap basically it's on its own trajectory now? I mean, we're very open to pretty much uh, everything that is going on in this space. And if, you know, Uniswap, was to involve uh, to sorry, evolve into or you know innovate in in a way that is like groundbreaking. I don't see why um, everyone in the ecosystem wouldn't you know kind of uh, get inspired. But for us, I don't. I think we're past this forking phase. That was essential in I guess bootstrapping the treasury, bootstrapping the community, the product. But now we're kind of uh, we are well funded. Uh, we were able to you know in the treasury at the moment as we speak, we have more than a hundred million dollars, right? Without in, with all of this being controlled by the community, we're able to pretty much do to build anything that we wish. We have like built an amazing team. I think on the technical front, we still need to hire many people uh, on the more ops design and so on. And we're kind of setting up ourselves for uh, blazing our own path. Basically, not forking their code, like just making sure we've shared our, our own roadmap. Uh, we're working with very different approach. Uh, Jeff, a, fr a friend that I've spoken with uh, very recently told us that, you know, sushi is similar to a bazaar and Uniswap is a cathedral where they're not sharing anything that they're working on. I don't know if it's by fear or if it's because uh, they're worried that it is too, uh, too massive to, re I don't know, maybe it's not ready yet. We have absolutely no pointers. And this is what is infuriating, I guess, with Uniswap. Is that even if you wanted to help, uh, you are kind of uh, let let for let down, right? You cannot help in any single way. On sushi swap mindset, we're more like, uh, all right, we are not pretending to be the the most knowledgeable people in the world. Everyone is welcome to join. Everyone will be paid uh, extremely generously to help out. And there is absolutely no barrier to entry. Anyone that wants to get involved will be involved. There's no resume at SushiSwap. It's all based on, on your output, uh, meritocracy, and so on. So that's pretty much it. Yeah. 
that that's fascinating. That 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 also may be a reaction to the uh, advance of Sushi Swap. It seems like they might be doing keeping things under wrap for competitive reasons. Um, one other thing before we uh, conclude, kind of talking about the roadmap, is we mentioned this 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 I don't know if it's a feature or uh, a a product that you're calling Bento Box. What is that? It's just leverage basically on the, every single pair of Sushi Swap. You will be able to deposit. Um, your assets and basically earn APY on top while people are borrowing it and going for a leverage position two to three X. It's going to be enabled with, you know, flash loans inside and so on. Uh, Boring crypto has been the architect behind it. it there is like a lot of, um, of development on this side. And I think if one wanted to learn more, you could always read the Bento Box Plus uh, Medium article. I can probably uh, link it to you in the show notes. It's going to be a way for people to, if you have like a quote unquote gem, you will be able to long it. You will be able to short it. There will be no assets that are not uh, possible to basically um, to leverage. And what is very interesting with this aspect or this approach is that we're not going to be optimizing for TVL on pairs. So we're not going after the compound Ave cream of this world. We're really optimizing for usage. We are making sure that the APY are going to be I for people that are um, in need of, I guess, uh, a very specific asset. And that's why like the, the elastic rate kicks in, you know, it's going to be very fast. It's going to be way different than Aave and Compound uh, and this uh, sort of things. So we're talking about like an ideal APY of 80% on pairs, 90% goes to the people putting the assets to work. 10% goes to X sushi holders. And then whenever there's like a liquidation happening, two the, the first 2% um, of the asset can be flash loan and already, and the profit is gonna be paid directly to uh, X sushi holder before it is our, our bots that can access it. So this way we're making sure that the system is benefiting the whole ecosystem of sushi swap. And we're also giving the liberty or freedom, the freedom for people to create new pairs whenever they want. So they can pick the Oracle, they can pick the risk parameters. Uh, it's all isolated risk. So if a pair fail, uh, not, uh, it's not gonna affect the broader system of the Bento um, product. So this is kind of, I guess, uh, it's very difficult to wrap your mind around but once you've read, I guess, the Medium article and the documentation, you just simply get it. And what is very cool about it is it's not just a product. It's also, um, how it's called, it's an infrastructure layer too. So you can build on top of the bento box with assets being available without, you know, uh, approved, uh, approved transaction and so on. You, you have like a very uh, capital efficient base layer to build on top. So we're probably going to see quote unquote, the AMM built on this, on top of this, who knows, maybe we're going to see other products. Um, this is kind of a bento for you. Yeah. So the assets that people have deposited into the Sushi AMM, are these the, the same assets that people are able to borrow as well from the bento box app? Or are these totally separate products? Are these just two different things? Different product. Yeah. But uh, there's going to be um more interwining, I guess, uh, in 2021, once uh, it is launched, we're probably going to have way more builder and we're going to have incentives probably for, uh, for, and grants for people to experiment with it, because I do think, uh, it's going to be instrumental and in, in our future and in a way to differentiate it ourselves than Uniswap. So this actually starts to feel like a little bit something more like a DAO, right? Like this is something that I think, uh, or behavior that we've seen coming out of YAM, where YAM built the umbrella protocol, which really has, it's, it's, it's arbitrary, it has nothing to really do with a YAM token, except for that people behind the YAM token built the product. Is this kind of the same thing where like the, the bento box, it doesn't actually have anything to do with sushi swap the AMM, but it's under the sushi umbrella. What is that? Um, what, what's the takeaway message there? Should we should we expect more products that are differentiated from other sushi products that are still under the sushi umbrella? Exactly. I mean, that's you 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 are nailing it down. It's like a DAO. It's an open org. Everything can happen in the sushi ecosystem. You're you're a chef. If the idea is well received by the community and 
you know, we're just going to be giving you funding and get get to it. And we want to enable passionate people to join us and build what they're passionate about. It's about what you love. And to be honest, like if there's one contribution to to sushi that, you know, the impact we had with sushi swap was to make sure that incentives are are more um, broadly distributed from now on. The fact that, you know, we can onboard like full-time people uh, that were not necessarily working in crypto uh, full-time. This is wonderful in my opinion. It's all about making sure that the ecosystem grow. And by doing so, not only are you helping um, the sushi ecosystem, but the broader community. And then uh, we're just getting closer to a bankless future and a future where, um, you know, we are building the the France, you know, the future of France, basically. Mackie, uh, how much volume do you guys have these days? Uh, to be fair with you, I don't look at the volume every single day. I, I can tell you right now. A week, plus or minus. Uh, I think it's all a bit more than this. Uh, once so let's, let's let's call it half a billion to a billion a week. I I I just like as as you're talking, Mackie, I'm just like just want to pause and reflect at how how strange this is and how revolutionary this is, right? So here is a DeFi protocol built by a team of pseudo-anonymous individuals that was originally built as a fork of another protocol. Um, and you have right now a hundred million in your treasury to continue through a DAO to deploy, to build out the product. You've got volume between 500 million to a billion a week, you are continuing to iterate and and build a, um, like a revolutionary DeFi primitive. Like for someone thinking about traditional startups, right? Even somebody who's on the cutting edge, traditional startups in Silicon Valley, right? This sounds crazy. This sounds bizarre. Like this is not the way the traditional world works. If you wanted to build a financial uh, like a bank banking system or, or a financial primitive in the traditional world, it would take uh, regulation, it would take licenses, it would take VC checks, it would take startup funding, it would take an established headquarters location, it would take press releases and partnerships. This is what we're doing here in DeFi is so strange compared to how the traditional world does that. I was just struck by that as, as you guys were talking. I don't know if you have any follow-up comments to that, Maki, but this is truly a, a different type of thing that, that's happening in DeFi. Yeah, just to give you maybe more, uh, more numbers, metrics behind the, what you just said, we, for the week, the past week, we, were, we did in volume around $2 billion uh, just on SushiSwap. Uh, so like half a million a day, not a week. I, I would, that was my mistake there. Yeah, no problem. This is, uh, I mean, who could have thought that we would be here um, six months ago? No one, I think. But this is just a testament to how you can build anything and pretty much gain traction by just perseverance and making sure that you have like a community that is not only um, enabled and working and, you know, growing the pie for you, it's, and it's not, you know, <laughs> this is kind of crazy, but it's not benefiting me, myself, you know, individually, but everyone that is part of it. And I think that is what is very important. Uh, we are enabling people to swap assets from anywhere in the world. There's no like uh, front end uh, bypass or whatever it is. Uh, Ethereum is really like, in my opinion, the next, the next step in, enabling i guess the future of finance and i guess the world is not even ready for when we can have or eat wallet on our iphone or androids or whatever and pay on square terminal and so on like this is just the the rails of the future and DAOs and open org we don't have like i guess the blueprint yet to build them uh, you can see recently i'm pretty sure some people uh, in the yearn ecosystem are listening uh, we're going to see a minting, possibly a voting on a minting to make sure that, you know, our contributors are incentivized um, in a decent way and to bring, you know, treasury to to their community. So every, everything is kind of still moving and we're assembling the, the rocket as we fly kind of type, type of situation. So I do think that the future that is coming is not even this is just the start like what we're seeing here is just the start we don't even have 
all of the innovation. We have like some exotic perps, exotic option, derivative, and so on that are coming. The, fi if the finance layer on Ethereum is something, but I don't know if you've seen uh, the, all the NFTs action happening to uh, the way that they're becoming more liquid. Um, this is very interesting on all the fronts, I guess. And this is why I cannot just think that any other layer can, I guess, remove Ethereum of it. There's just too much happening. There's too much life. Mm -hmm. Naki, you've used the word capital efficiency or the phrase capital efficiency a number of times so far in, in this show. Um, and I know that Andre uh, from, from uh, Urine is really big in the, on the concept of capital efficiency. Uh, and so uh, since you guys are close to that project, it seems, it seems to make sense that, that Sushi is focused on capital efficiency as well. Maybe you, maybe you could talk about um, your philosophy about capital efficiency and design in uh, SushiSwap products that have that make capital more efficient. Maybe you could talk about that. So for example, like very, very quickly, because um, I know we're running out of time a little bit, but uh, capital efficiency is that you can deposit your assets, for example, in, in a yarn vault or in a bento box uh, kind of pool or something like this. And you don't need to, um, don't need to move it yourself. You don't need to pay a, a huge amount to move all of this similar to, um, You've probably, have you ever uh, switched capital from Compound to Aave? Uh, yeah, manually. Yeah, manually. Like it's kind of, a, it, it can be an asshole sometimes. I know there's like some tools with flash loans now, but before that it was very tedious, I would say a tedious process. With uh, Bento, like you can just like, you don't even need to approve like other contracts to um, kind of move all of these assets and so on. And it's just to make sure things are uh, less cost. Um, they, they cost less to you in transaction and so on. It's really about this. Make, and also that you get the most out of your um, assets. So for example, if you are LP, you want to deposit them uh, in maybe a solution that is gonna provide you impermanent loss without you uh, needing to move everything. Uh, we're also like, we're thinking about strategies on top of Bento to make sure that, you know, assets of people are all, all working for them while they are sitting there um, being lended. So it's all of this uh, notion that we're, when we're talking about capital efficiency. Maki, um, we want to close this maybe by um, talking about the, the, the future of, of DeFi in general. So we've talked about so many things. I'm sure um, you were in a place now you didn't think you would be a, a year ago at this time, right? So it's, it's, at some level, it's, it's hard to predict the future. Um, that said, you are in kind of the... Um, the, the frontier, as we would call it on Bankless, of this whole DeFi experiment, and you're talking to many different projects. What do you see ahead for us in DeFi right now? What projects are you excited about, either things inside Sushi or in, in DeFi in general, that we should also be looking into? To be honest, I think what is going to be very interesting to evolve, to see evolve and so on. Uh, besides scalability and so on, it's all the fact that this project can be started now without any sort of um, funding, I would say, or they can, they don't, like there is no gatekeeper anymore, right? So, which means if there is no gatekeeper, all the innovation can happen and be funded by uh, the community and I guess uh, the early adopters, meaning that we're going to be seeing people that are able to support themselves and launch whatever they please, whatever they're passionate about. Uh, is this gonna be, whether it is a derivative, whether it is uh, related to identity, whether it is related to NFT, um, we're gonna be seeing more innovation than we can even concede at this point that we can absorb in our mind. I think we're gonna, see, like, you know, who would have predict all of this liquidity mining phase? And this is just one thing, right? This is just to bootstrap like liquidity and so on. It's not perfect for everything. Uh, but I do think that we're going to be seeing uh, other, not just primitives, but incentives in a way. Uh, are they going to be, I think like one of the, the one I want to be seeing myself and we're going to be working on at Sushi is um, enabling developers to be quote unquote paid or like uh, having more revenue streams from helping protocols. So they don't need to ask permission for a grant. They don't need to go buy 
a, a tedious process or else. They just can build with Legos that are provided and be incentivized for doing so. I think once we can make sure that builders are uh, incentivized in a remarkable, remarkable way, I think we're going to see so much innovation from them that, you know, the human is, are very creative individuals. And anonymous is probably, the anonymous kind of persona and so on are going to keep going and being more mainstream, I do think. And at some point, you know, it's just not going to be uh, our own little bubble that we are in, that, you know, crypto is for power user and crypto native and so on. We're probably going to be seeing uh, people in, in all part of the world being able to accept crypto for the first time. You know, the PayPal uh, news that happened, people forgot already about it, but it's happening and they're going to be opening in many countries very soon, meaning that we, were, we are going to be able to be first class citizen with crypto. And once the shift happens, anything is possible at that point. Mackie, I want to thank you for coming on the Bankless State of the Nation. Uh, I think there's a lot of really powerful takeaways that we can get from this conversation and from what SushiSwap has taught the ecosystem. I think one of the biggest uh, things that it's taught me and, and showed the rest of the listeners is that, well, first off, the Sushi has a massive treasury that could be somebody's paycheck. Uh, and uh, that, that is not just for SushiSwap. That's also true for Yam. That's also true for Yearn. A lot of these uh, DeFi protocols have treasuries that are they're ready to pay out to people that provide value to the ecosystem. That was uh, something that I was personally, when I was getting into the space of crypto in 2017, there wasn't very many opportunities um, to, to contribute. If you didn't know how to code, if you didn't know how to write solidity, you kind of had to sit and watch while the coders did the coding stuff. Um, but with uh, with Yam, with with Sushi, with Wire, there's a there's a lot of community management. There's branding, writing, marketing, uh, and I I think it's an open invitation to anyone listening or watching this on the YouTube uh, that there are protocols that are looking for your human capital, your labor, uh, and Sushi Swap is is kind of pioneering that along with their own path through DeFi, just kind of being exemplar models of what open source uh, software development can really look like in a, in a world powered by Ethereum. Uh, I think this is a fantastic story that I personally uh, will be watching with great interest. So Mackie, thank you for coming on and, and helping tell that story to the Bankless Nation. Pleasure. Thank you for having me, David and Ryan. It was like, uh, I never expected to, uh, to be on this show, to be honest with you. I remember vividly when uh, all of the, not Maxi, but all the fervent, uh, influencer of Ethereum, I would say, we're um, very against SushiSwap, but we proved ourselves to be actual um, pillar of the ecosystem, I think. And we will keep going so, we'll keep doing so, and be there for helping any project to, to launch, to exchange on our platform and so on and provide collaboration, because this is key in this ecosystem. Well said. There are no gatekeepers in the bankless economy. Mackie, thank you very much for joining us. Guys, David and I work for a protocol. It sounds like there are tons of opportunities for you to work for a protocol too. Perhaps your kids will work for protocols, not companies. Uh, really fascinating discussion here with Mackie. Of course, risks and disclaimers. ETH is risky. DeFi is risky. So is all of crypto. This is really the frontier we're headed west. It's not for everyone, but thanks for joining us on Bankless today. <laughs>